Does your accountancy or bookkeeping practice need tech? Are you still using old servers? Are you still using software that doesn't integrate? Then you need to listen to uh, Amy today. Amy is great, great fun. She runs Clarity Street, which is where they help accountants and bookkeepers get the right software, make sure it works, teach them how to use it. Loads and loads of resources to make sure that you are getting the best out of the tech. Change management, making sure that it all works and your team use it as well. I really enjoyed this interview and Amy is all the way from Australia, so she was up really late to do this. Anyway, without any further hesitation, here's Amy. Oh my goodness, we are live and I've got the lovely Amy Holdsworth on. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing brilliantly. Now, that's an Australian accent, isn't it? It is a very Australian so, accent. So where are you? We are, I am in Melbourne, calling in from Melbourne at the moment. And it's meant to be coming into summer, except it's been pissing down with rain for most of the day. It's great. Just like where you are probably in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. We're used to it. So, all right, then here's the next question. When are you? What time is it where you are? It is 11.30 p.m. Oh, my goodness. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> nah, it's fine. It's fine. It's the daylight savings issue. As soon as daylight savings hit for both of us and the clocks all change, that's when it, I think there's an 11-hour difference or something now. So it's uh, ridic Ridiculous. Anyway, Amy Holdsworth, tell us all about you, what you do. Oh, please. what do I do? I run Clarity Street. So I started Clarity Street about eight years ago. And Clarity Street uh, helps accounting practices to digitize themselves. So we look at their tech stats. We look at what they're using. Are they server-based? Are they cloud-based? We then help them move from disconnected server-based applications across to the cloud application world. Uh, we help them optimize what they've already got. We help implement additional apps. We look at people, processes, systems, and we essentially we look at an accounting practice and go, you know what, you're running this in a kind of inefficient way. Let's help you be way more efficient in the way that you actually are running your business and optimise you know, your tech, your people, your processes, your systems, so they can get back to doing what they got into being an accountant for, which is, you know, helping clients. So, yeah, that's what that's what Clarity Street does. Perfect. Perfect. And why, why the name Clarity Street? I love it. Um, well, uh, kind of came from, it, well, obviously we do provide clarity. It doesn't get old. That's the first thing. Uh, clarity, we do actually provide that to a lot of clients because that's where it actually, there is so much, um, I guess, there's lots of people who don't really know what's going on in the world of tech out there. So if we can help provide that to clients, that's the whole point of it. Also, I happened to be sitting at a restaurant one day um, called Bedford Street and we were coming up with names and street came up to it. So that's where, that's where Clarity Street came out, basically. So, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And, and, and this is the thing. Because we're both in the space, we know an awful lot of accountants and bookkeepers that are grabbing hold of the tech and using it and making right. it work for them. Yep. But when you start talking to other people, it's like, oh, no, I didn't know about that. Oh, can you do yeah. that? And, and, you know, AI, there's still people that don't know what chat GPT is. And like, Really? And, it, and and this is the thing. So we need you. We need people like you because because it's it's you know, it's so important because, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't go to a, a, someone's house and do some, de, uh, you know, do some building work for them 
with yeah. a with a spade a bucket and spade you you turn up with a, an excavator and a dumper truck and all that sort of malarkey wouldn't you and and so why can't you have the same things in your accountancy practice exactly i think the best analogy that i can give is so i'm actually not technically an accountant myself right so i'm not a qualified accountant however i've worked in practices i've been a practice manager before right? and that's how this all sort of started i've i've worked in the financial industry i've worked in accounting practices a, a couple of them i've been a practice manager i've worked for some of the tech companies and i just understood that you know lots of all the apps were really good at saying pick me i'm amazing i solved this problem for your practice but they're really crap at saying um if you have us plus these other five apps this is how we all work together. This is how we all logically fit in in a client life cycle perspective. So whilst I'm not technically an accountant, equally, I've also been in the industry for over 15 years. So I'm, I'm, I've got an entity structure myself. There's a, there's a couple of entities, a couple of individuals, you know, trust that kind of stuff. I could probably get away with doing my tax and my accounting work, but am I the best person to do that? No. Therefore, I shouldn't be doing it. And it's the same as like, you know, accountants and bookkeepers, right? You guys are amazing at being accountants and bookkeepers. That's why I have one. That's why I employ one for my business to give me business, you know, to give me that advice, that financial advice. But that doesn't mean that you also have to master the tools from an operational standpoint and know where all the tech fits in and how it all talks to each other and how it should all work together. That's what specialists like we do is that we help alleviate your pain points so that you can go off and advise clients like me on the stuff that I need advice on. And that's the whole point of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and this is and this is why I talk to accountants and bookkeepers about having a niche. Because yeah. you have a niche, you become an absolute specialist. And people people come to me now asking me about LinkedIn because that's all I do. I don't yeah. I don't do um other social medias. And so I'm really, really deep on it. So you know if you if you want an expert, let's go and speak to Amy because she's gonna know what works best. Yeah, no, I love that. Right. Is there a is there a, a, a like a trinity or a core set that you you turn around and say this is this is what you need or do you mix and match depending on the type of practice? Well, it it does it does depend and it also depends on the market that you're in, as opposed to where the tech actually fits in. So what I mean by that is most accounting practices or most of the technology out there, if you think of the more traditional server based method, which you know there are still depending on what region you are in the world you might still be server-based application, mainly because most applications for practice management and operational best practice were built around a tax product. So dependent on where you're actually located and what the requirements are from a tax perspective in what you know in whatever region that you're in, that will dictate what tech will actually work for you, typically speaking. But that also means that if you are the more forward thinking and the more cloud-based operative, so uh, we, we obviously, our, our market is predominantly the Australian and uh, New Zealand market. We are by nature of, just in terms of the global, we're pretty far ahead when it comes to technology in terms of development. Um, the UK is very close behind us, which is amazing and I love that. The US is lagging in terms of their adoption of cloud. But they've got, you know, there's a, a whole facet of reasons as to why that basically is, right? So I think it is, it's kind of region specific as to what tech you would actually um, recommend. So I can talk to the, um, the, the Australia and NZ market, which is we are actually very zero focused when it comes to a cloud best practice perspective. There are still definitely options for using server-based applications and there's nothing wrong with that. 
but where they fall short is having um, options. You don't have as much choice when you are restricted to a server base or in-house product, which doesn't connect and talk with other with other apps essentially, right? So the options in the Australian market by having a cloud-based tax product as well as practice management and document management and signing solutions and engagement software and all the facets that actually connect in with it, um, you are realistically looking at a zero-centric ecosystem. Okay. In the UK market, though, I know that that's completely different. Like if you ask a lot of the, the UK accountants at the moment, zero actually isn't all that friendly for the UK market from what I understand. Like it's not as well loved as what we would hope it is or like it is in, in the Australian market, for example. In the US market, oh, it's not existent. It's practically not existent, right? It's, it's, it's insured all the way basically over there. Um, so it is dependent on what you actually, you know, as I say, what region you're actually in. So for the AU market and NZ as well, it would be zero tax, zero practice manager. Um, you would then go potentially uh, a document management solution, which we would recommend probably FYI. I know FYI is picking up in the UK at the moment, which is fabulous to see. It's an awesome product. Um, so FYI being document management potentially workflow management, email management as well. There's lots of features within that. Um, from an integrated uh, engagement platform, Ignition, again, I know that's in the UK. It's a really big uh, product in the Australian market. And that's based on how the client lifecycle goes, right? So you engage the client through Ignition. The client accepts the proposal. That deploys the jobs into your practice management platform. That deploys the invoices into your invoicing platform. That then obviously allows you to upload documents into your document management solution. If you then add in a signing solution, possibly say FuSign, which is another app which I know is making headway in the UK at the moment, um, as well as the AU market, then you've got that full integration in terms of your client lifecycle, basically. So they're some of the some of the core apps. Um, you've also got you know again zero ledgers, zero tax, financials, those kinds of applications there. From a work paper perspective. Accountants are very picky and choosy and very like work papers are very personal for them, very personal. So <laughs> depending on what you want to choose for that one, I think is, you know, it, it just does depend. But as I say, you know, in the UK market, I know it's completely different. Like it's, it, it's, and it's not as, from what I understand as well, not as well connected as in UK accountants are quite happy to actually have standalone products. They might all be cloud but they may not necessarily talk to each other, therefore having data flows between. I'm very big with having apps that talk because it means less clicks. If all of your client information flows from one app to the next app to the next, that means less human touch points, less human interaction. So and that's- Less, less mistakes, of, less mistakes as well. Yeah, exactly, less mistakes as well. So yeah, so there's some of the apps that I guess we, we highlight. There are a, a huge, you know, there's there's heaps of them. Um, actually, on our website um, at the claritystreet.com.au website, we have our preferred app stack, which is our preferred cloud-based app stack, which actually shows all of the different apps. So I've just highlighted, you know, sort of, you know, a key five or six, but there are mm, there's about 30-odd on that app stack, which all actually talk. I think that's the power of having apps that talk. But again, that's region-specific depending on where you are in the world and what apps you're actually looking to use, essentially. No, I, I love the, I love the, the story there of it, it, it you know how, how zero is spreading across the globe. 
Um, mm. And 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 you, you're right. You you guys are a little little bit ahead of us. Um, before we go any further, just want to just say hello to a couple of regulars. Just say hi, Pavel and uh, Richard. Uh, he says not to mention the cricket. I don't know what that means. I really don't don't get into sport. Do you, do you know what that means, Amy? Okay, I don't really follow it, so it's fine. No, it's lost. Away. It's lost on us, isn't it? It's lost on us. Yeah. So I've I've been in this in the, in this space the same sort of time as you. I'm not an accountant either, but because we're working with accountants, we know what it's like, and we we can see things happening, and you know, we we talk amongst ourselves, so you know, we know what's going on, and. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when Zero first came here, there was some accountants that went, oh, my goodness, this is going to be amazing. And they just jumped on it and used it. And then other people, other other accountants are sort of like, no, not touching it with the barge pole. And then others are sort of like, let's just sit on that fence and see what these guys are doing. Is that the same in Australia when a new product is launched? Definitely. You always have your early adopters. And those, you know, those that get like so excited by the fact that there's a new piece of technology. And to be honest with you, I'm one of those people because I've started a business based on new tech, based on how to use technology. So I'm definitely one of the early, early adopters. Um, we still, like it even still baffles me, right? So then you've obviously got, you know, if you look at the bell curve, you've got, you know, your mid, mid bracket where everybody slowly comes along the journey. We're still getting late adopters. Like I still have conversations with people and Zero in Australia has been here for, you know, 15 years, like, and it's been quite well adopted across the, like they've got a large market share over here. And I still have conversations with people where they're like, yeah, we're still, you know, look, we had a look at it a couple of years ago, but now we're actually really considering it. And all those that haven't even actually ever seen the product. And I'm still having conversation with newbies, if that makes sense. And even I'm like, really? Do people not know this yet? How? Yeah. But but then equally saying that, I, I don't want to sound you know conceited by saying that, but I, I, I love that there are still people that are getting excited by cloud-based products and what they can actually do. But then I also sort of go, where have you been living? What rocks have you been living under? Like, how have you not been able to see that? Is there just this mentality that, oh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, that kind of thought process when it comes to the tech? Or is it just that they think that it's too hard? And I think that there's a there's a number of different reasons why people obviously do or don't adopt depending on timeframes and things like that. But, you know, it is, it is kind of cool that we actually are still seeing later adopters still adopting and still deciding, yep, it's time for me to move, basically. I think a lot of that it's come down to, though, as well, the investment that they've spent on their prior IT. Like a lot of people, like so call it, say, five years ago or whenever it was, might have just spent stupid amounts of money on a brand new server and shocking shocking isn't it like 10 15 grand on a box more more like we're talking you know in like try double that really times. wow yeah double that like it's yeah, actually i'm going it's 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 eight it's it's eight years since i was um at a software house that that was server based so uh yeah wow that's incredible that's yeah. a car that's a car that's yeah a, exactly that's, it's that's a, a member of staff Amy. It's potentially a deposit on a house. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on which way you want to look at this, right? So like I know it's huge amounts of money. So a lot of them have just gone, well, we've just upgraded the server, so it's a sunk cost. So we're not going to spend any, we're not going to lose that. Like moving to the cloud is just going to obviously rem, you know remove our need for the server. And that's it's incorrect. You still need a server within your business. A lot of organizations still actually need one. It's just the type of 
server that they use or need will change. They may need a smaller version. They may not, you know, they may not need to, their infrastructure may not be as heavily reliant on a server as what it has been in the past. So it's it's just about timing, I think, for a lot of these firms as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so we don't like change. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. And, and and so yeah, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I and I hear that an awful lot. Um just just life. Um have you ever done anything with neuroscience? No. I'm I'm holding up I'm holding up a book now for those of you listening on the podcast. It's called Your Brain is Boss, and it's written by Dr. Linda Shaw. She's mm-hmm. a, a, a neuroscience specialist and, and she's written this book. Um, and I've been on her course and understanding neuroscience and how the brain works and how we don't like change. Uh, once you understand all of that, that makes it an awful lot easier to get people to change. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I was going, I was going in when I was working for Digital, trying to get people to change to the software. And and if if you didn't go around, go about it the right way, you were never going to get it in. And if the boss yeah. turns around and says, "Right, we're having this bit of software," without cult, uh, consulting the team, yep. then the team just rebels. So, what what are your top tips for? implementing brand new software in a practice that have used this for the last 400 years? Uh, Two top tips, but they're kind of the same thing, if that makes sense. You have to do internal marketing and you have to do external marketing about the changes. Okay, that's the first thing. As in, you have to get internal buy-in and external buy-in from your clients because when you make a change to a piece of software, it will predominantly impact your team internally, but it will actually also impact your clients as well. And there's a lot of reasons why accountants won't make those changes because they're they're fearful of what their clients, the perception of how the clients will actually receive that change. They're so fearful that the clients might reject that change that they just go, oh, no, don't want to upset the client. Not gonna, I'm not going to impact that. I'm not going to change that. Too hard basket. But you've also got the internal side of things. And that's about rallying the troops, exactly what you just said then. You actually need to get the buy-in from the team. So I think it's the communication piece is huge. And when it comes to the people who actually have the, you know, like the entrepreneurial brains within the business, the rainmakers, the ones who get the ideas and they go, oh, my God, I'm getting excited by this. You might have been thinking about this for quite some time, but you actually need to bring your team along on the journey, which means that you're going to have to be really repetitive in terms of having these conversations as well. Just when you think that you've told your team or you've got buy-in or had a conversation with your team, You need to have that conversation probably another 10 times. And I know that might feel really repetitious because you get to the point where you're like, why are you not on my, why are you not on my bus yet? Come on, we all need to be on the same bus with this. But it does take time and it does actually take time to adapt and adopt. I think there's also something to be said for people fear change because they feel like it will either impact what their current role is or possibly remove their value from what their role is as well. So like if we take an admin team member, like if you put in a piece of software which is going to, you know, make them more efficient, they they tend to be fearful of this. And sometimes my, you know, people, uh, higher-ups might sort of go, oh, you know, they just, they just sort of feel, they just don't like change, you know, they're just old school. It's like, well, actually, they're probably sitting there going, am I still required in my job? Do I still have a job if you actually put this piece of software in? So a lot of it is actually helping your team understand that, they are still very valuable part, a very valuable part of the business, um, especially in this industry where talent is in such high demand. Whether you're in admin or whether you're in like actual accounting, bookkeeping, doing that role, the talent required in this industry it's it's hard to come by. So reminding the team members how valuable they are. 
the operation or the function of their role might change or be tweaked, but helping them actually realize where their value may sit in a different capacity, still within the same role or in a different role, but that's a lot of where you'll get the buy-in is basically helping them understand that you're still really valuable. You're still got a job here and then helping them understand what that actually looks like. So I think you kind of got to draw them a picture that sometimes, but also if you don't know the answer to that, be vulnerable and actually say, I don't know what it looks like. I can just, I've just got this vision that it's going to be great. Let's go on this journey together and we'll find out. There might be some bumps along the way, but together we're really intelligent people. We can work this out. Like sometimes I think the leaders forget that and they, they, I feel like they think that they need to know the answers to everything. And if they don't know the answers, then, oh gosh, well, I can't, I can't make this change because I don't know the answer to it. It's okay not to know the answer. It's okay to actually you know, take your team on that journey with you as well. So, I mean, we do a lot around, like whilst you talked about neuroscience, we actually do a lot around change management generally. And there's mm. lots of tips and tricks and that kind of stuff, but it's all it's all part of it. Like if if we look at what Clarity Street really does, if you break it down, it's at its core, it's change management. That's the crux yeah. of it. Yeah. And and, 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 I, and I guess the thing that was not a guess, I know, the thing is they're going to have someone to hold their hand um and, and and help them through this and I, I bet you're great fun aren't you when when you when you implement it all yeah I do I love I love challenging ca- accountants because most of the and actually even the team just the simple question of why do you do it like that why is it done like that because a lot of the time the answer is well, I don't know, I've just done it like that or like it's just been done like that for the time. It's like, okay, great. So if you talk about, because we do a lot around processes, we do a lot around people and processes and that kind of stuff. So things like moving from whip-based billing to upfront pricing or at least providing a quote, whether you take payment upfront or you take it on completion is irrelevant. Let's, But let's just at least provide a quote to the client and an indicative pricing. That concept for some people, that just blows their mind. They're like, well, why would I do that? Why would I do that? I'm like, well, why wouldn't you do that? They go, well, but I, I charge on an hourly rate, so I know how long it's going to take. I was like, okay, okay. where did your hourly rate come from? Well, that's just that's just how much it is. I'm like, yeah, but where did it come from? Where did your wage come from? Who made up that value figure? It's no different to you turning around and saying, well, my, my hourly rate is $400 an hour. Great. Why? Well, because it is, because I said it is. <laughs> okay, so why can't you do that with a fee? And you turn around and say, dear client, this job is going to be thousand dollars it's the same thing it's just the value proposition so i think i think you know in this industry a lot of this comes down to uh how you value yourself and therefore how you can actually value um the service that you're providing and therefore get your clients to buy in and say yep i agree to it and i know i've gone off in a bit of a tangent here but you know a lot of it is actually challenging the mindset of what's going on and ultimately like accountants, I love the accounting industry. Like the accounting industry, just they're just all too damn nice for their own good. Just like accountants, you're just all too damn nice, basically. So it's actually like all I want to do from a Clarity Street perspective is help them be better so that they can be better for clients like us, essentially. Yeah, no, that makes an awful lot of sense. And that's that's why I'm still in, in this space because, yeah, they are amazing, absolutely amazing and so, so loyal. Um, Right, so... If I'm thinking of setting up my own practice, mm. I obviously don't have any clients at the moment and I don't have an awful lot of money at the moment. Should I wait and, and, and add the software later on when I've got a few clients or is there something I should be doing right now, Amy? 
right now you need to decide if you want to be in team Google or team Microsoft, as random as that might sound. But the reason for that, do you want to be a Google practice or do you want to be a Microsoft practice? And the main reason for that is based on that choice, that somewhat delineates down the line what technology you will use from a connected standpoint. So if you're happy to be uh, to have a wonderful user interface, then go down the Google path because it's very intuitive. It's very easy to use. There are people that are going to agree and disagree with me on this, right? But it's the Apple Android thing, isn't it? Literally. I love it. Yeah. Any, anyone, anyone listening now? Just, just put in the, just put in the chat, um, Google or Microsoft. Just have a <laughs> quick straw poll. Carry on, Amy. Um, so the reason for that is because a lot of the products for the accounting industry are very centralised around Microsoft. So um, I believe FYI did a statistic recently, and they did some insights around this. And apparently, there's only about two to five percent of the profession that is more Google centric. The majority of the profession is actually very much Microsoft. And that comes down to things like using Excel, work papers, spreadsheets, you know, that kind of thing, right? But a lot of the uh, apps that possibly connect, I'm talking document management solutions, are hinged off a true document management solution is hinged off a Microsoft-based platform. So if you're looking down the path of one day I would like to have an app stack that's connected, make that decision real fast. The next decision that you can make is what apps do I actually want to use? You don't need to actually implement all of them, but, you know, you can piecemeal it, but it's more around, well, I know what journey I'm going on. So I don't have a lot of money right now, but I can at least get some of the core things that I want. So as I said, Microsoft or Google, I know I love Google as well. I have to use Microsoft, but I'm a Google fan myself. It's just easy. Um, But, you know, choose that first. Then choose, obviously, if you are an accountant who does tax, choose your tax product, relevant tax product. Choose a practice management platform, hopefully one that talks with a tax product if that's what your jam is. Um, look at a document management solution. You can get away with using things like either G Suite, you know, Google Drive or SharePoint as a cost-effective solution or OneDrive to begin with. But with that in mind, you might one day move to a, uh, you know, an industry-specific document management solution. Yeah, so you don't have to have all of the apps, but I would recommend that you at least speak to someone like myself. There are others in different regions as well to at least get the plan and say, all right, these are the apps that I'm going to work towards getting because I know that they all connect and talk with each other if you're going into cloud land, basically. Um, so that's what I would be doing as a starting point. That's a great that's a great plan. Have you got have you got a, a, a blog about that? Because that that's a, a a a great idea. Because we don't know where to start, and 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 like you say, initially, is it micro? I would never have thought of Microsoft or Google. So yeah, I know it's a bit of a random one, but it actually there we have we get a lot of firms that contact us that are having issues with document management or workflow, and a lot of the issues come down to the fact that potentially they're a Google-based firm. Um, and it's, you know, essentially it's because of the way that they use apps. And I'm not saying that you can't use Google. Don't Please don't misinterpret this. You can definitely use it. It just, as you scale and get bigger teams and things like that, it gets harder to actually run a practice on the Google side of life, essentially. So thinking about that, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Um, there is a blog piece, I believe, on our on our website uh, through the blog, but also I am actually on a podcast myself in Little Old Oz, the um, the All Aussie Accounting Adventures podcast with uh, Jack Teal. So we actually talk about this in season one quite a bit. We go quite heavy into what tech you should actually choose and things like that. So there's a, there's a little shout out and where somebody can find some more information if you're starting out. 
No, fantastic. Um, that that time has just flown by. We've, we've only got a couple of minutes. And um, before before we started, we were talking about you've got some event or something coming up. You need to tell us about that. Uh, not an event so much. Um, we um, we actually have, a, as part of our service offering, when we obviously do consulting for businesses, we have uh, something called Clarity Campus, which is our online learning platform and development site. Uh, it comes with CPD um, hours as well for accountants, which is great. It's our self-paced learning application tool. So all the apps that we've spoken about today, we've developed coursework, self-paced online learning coursework backed by a huge knowledge bank. Um, I think there's like 900 plus articles on there on how to use all the different apps, all the different processes, procedures. Um, you can launch support tickets. You can join our weekly live training sessions as well. So Clarity Campus is one of those things that we designed it so that you can also self-help yourselves, uh, but we use it as part of our project rollouts as well when we help accounting practices. So that's something that, you know, I think, you know, if, if anyone's interested, again, on the website, claritystreet.com.au, um, go and check out Clarity Campus because that could be a really good um, uh, spot to, for learning. Uh, fantastic. Uh, we'll make sure that that is in the show notes uh, when you're listening to the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, just scroll down a little bit and hit that link. Uh, but not before we finish, because I've got one more question for you. Yes. Um, I've got two, actually. You showed me your tattoo. I did. I did. For those that are logging on, uh, there you go. I don't know whether you can see it there. Uh, I, have a, I have a little cupcake. I read recently that you're an ex-chef and therefore an ex-pastry chef. I have a little side hustle, which is um, a cake business. So I do... Uh, in my downtime, because I have so much of that, uh, wedding cakes, birthday cakes, cupcakes, that kind of stuff. Um, Red Coat Cake Instagram, if you wanted to, at Red Coat Cake. Uh, feel free to follow and have a like, but it's just my little passion. Like no, you. I think, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that's lovely. So, yeah, you, you must have seen my post um, where I was sharing how to make mince meat for mince Correct. pies. Yes. Do, you, do, you, do you have mince pies over in Australia? You do, and I'm going to be honest. I looked at your post and went, "That looks exciting." I don't like them, but for all those people that I know that do, it looked amazing. So I think I might give it a crack though, because I do have some friends that love them. So I mean, and the thing, the thing is, that recipe is so so easy um, because because one of the problems is, there's so many ingredients you've got to weigh it all. But if you just buy a bag of of mixed fruit, it saves you so much time. Right, I've got one more question for you. But before we do that, I'm going to introduce my guest for next week, which is just as exciting as having you here because we've got wherever he is he's down here somewhere we've got hamish edwards from firm check so he's your side of the pond isn't he yes or the, he the, the, the lake or whatever you want to call it so uh he'll be getting up at stupid or staying up really late as well so poor chap <laughs> later i think he's based in nz so he's he's going to be even later than me oh my goodness oh dear i'm, I'm in the doghouse <laughs> so my very last question amy when you when you were a sweet little girl at primary school, what did you want to be when you left school? You're gonna really laugh at this one. Um, I was uh, I went to a Catholic school. That's how I was raised, uh, and uh, I actually quite liked religious education in grade four. Uh, I was probably about I don't know, I think I was about ten years old. I wanted to be a nun. Boom. <laughs> so, 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 so what went what went wrong? <laughs> Um, I woke keep, up and keep, realized, keep, keep, keep it clean. <laughs> I woke up and realized that there is more to life. Absolutely. And, and, and living, living where you do, there certainly is. Uh, Amy, you've been so much fun today. Thank you so much. You can go to bed now. Um, but yeah, thanks ever so much. Thanks for the comments. And we will be back, like I say, next week. Thanks ever so much indeed.
Cheerio. Thanks, Ashley. Here we go. Another podcast in the bag. I've been Ashley Leeds. You've been wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more, then please subscribe and I will see you again another day. You can find me on LinkedIn if you want to catch up. If you fancy being a guest on one of my shows, I do live shows on LinkedIn twice a week, but I also plan to do some real podcasts uh, where we just do audio and probably record it to go on the YouTube channel. And we can talk about absolutely anything in those. So whatever you want to do, get in touch. And thank you for listening.